the interview. <laughs> this is Joseph Gervaisi. I am here with the four members of DIY PHL. It is the 24th of March, 2013. We're recording this interview in the beautiful Asia Room of the International House in Philadelphia. And this is part of the Loud Fast Philly series. Uh, so since I'm talking to four people, I was going to ask everybody to introduce themselves and briefly explain how you came into whatever version of the DIY scene you move through at present. Um, my name is Max Weinstein Bacall. Um, I grew up most of my life in Virginia outside DC and I got into what I would call DIY punk when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, mostly, I guess first time I was exposed to anything I'd call DIY was because someone gave me a CD. I liked the CD a lot and then I found out that the band was playing like 25 minutes from my house and growing up in rural Virginia that was a big deal and it was in some tiny bar and it completely turned upside down my expectations of seeing a band that could be as good as anything I'd heard on TV and it kind of just revealed to me that it was something that was tangible and that I could participate in. What year were you born? 1986. Okay. Could just, everyone just said a year or two when you go. Uh, my name is Michael Cantor. I, was, I also grew up um, outside of the D.C. area. Um, I was born in 1985. Uh, my involvement with DIY punk basically started when I went away to college and got kind of pulled into this like straight-edge hardcore band. And that was the first band I was ever in. And so from there, I just started playing in more and more bands. What was uh, your band called? It was called X Still Strong X. <laughs> yeah. I assume you still have the edge. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Make it short because otherwise I'd turn the tape recorder off and flip the table over. Uh, I'm still here. Yep. Yeah, okay. uh, so yeah, I mean, that's where I started and just kept playing music. My name is Ramsey Beyer. I was born in Michigan, um, in really rural Michigan um, in 1985. Um, so I grew up in a really small town called Pawpaw. Um, it was basically a farm town. There wasn't really a punk scene or anything like that. I wasn't near a big city. Um, so I basically got into punk uh, just through MTV, like hearing bands that ended up being on like Punkorama. I actually got into it through Sublime. <laughs> so, uh, but they were on Punkorama volumes like one through four. So that's how I discovered punk. Um, but I, I think I just always kind of was DIY minded anyway. Um, I joined a band, or started a band with my three best girlfriends, and we were like just playing pop shows in our own houses and like setting up house shows at like uh, our parents' houses and at coffee shops all through high school, like outside of any sort of DIY scene. So I think that just like came natural t to me. Um, and then what I was your band called? Uh, Forever in Secret. We were like. <laughs> Pop, pop. So good. Like Britney Spears pop. So, um, but we were really active. We played as a band for five years, like all through high school. We played tons of shows and we, we had like touring bands come play with us even. So um, I kind of just like stumbled into it by accident. Um, even though I was listening to a lot of punk, I didn't, I wasn't part of a scene by any means. And then I moved to Baltimore for college and then that's where I actually got into punk. Um, and like a real DIY scene uh, through Charm City Art Space. So, My name is Grace Ambrose and I was born in 1989, right outside of Washington, DC also. Um, I came to punk through um, Fort Reno where they have outdoor shows every Monday and Thursday of the summer. 
in Tenleytown in DC is about five blocks from my mother's office. And once when I was like 12 or 13, we were at the Whole Foods around the corner from Fort Reno and we went, like walked back to the car and like Fort Reno was happening and I can't remember what band was playing. But then like ever since then I went, like I lived and died with the idea of like going to Fort Reno on a Monday or Thursday night. Like there was, um, I saw bands, I saw like Black Eyes there and Q Not You and Ted Leo and like, you know, every summer everyone was like, oh, Fugazi's gonna play the last show. And like, obviously they never did. Um, but it was, the kind of time, it was the kind of thing where like, you would like call an uh, answering machine and wait to hear if the show was gonna be on or not because of rain or thunderstorms and stuff. So like from the age of 12 to the age of 18, like every Monday and Thursday, you would just like call this answering machine over and over, go, over again when it was gonna rain to like see if you could go to the show. And like that was how I got into seeing bands in DC and I went to like some house shows and stuff when I was growing up in high school. And um, then I got, when I moved to Philadelphia for college, got into booking shows myself and um, don't book shows as much anymore, but still participate in organizing stuff like Lady Fest and DIY PHO. So was it college that brought all of you to the 97th greatest city in the world? Uh, mm -hmm. no, 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 just me. Yeah. Okay, so just Grace. So just Grace. What, what then brought the, the other three of you here to? I moved up for my first job that wasn't as a line cook, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to get out of Richmond, Virginia, where I had been living at the time. Nothing that interesting. Okay. Yeah. I uh, had lived in Maryland pretty much my whole life, in D.C., and I went to school there, and so, yeah, I moved up here in August, just looking for, like, a new place to, to hang out and move to, so, mm -hmm. I'm new. Um, and I... After Baltimore, I lived there for six years, and then I moved to Chicago for three years. Um, and I thought I would like Chicago, but I ended up not really liking it that much, uh, particularly the punk and music scene. Um, so then I was just looking for something that seemed more like Baltimore, and Philly seemed more like Baltimore. <laughs> so I just came and took a chance. And, and I have the fortune or misfortune of choosing to live here two separate times. I moved out of the country for a year and then decided I needed to move back to Philadelphia. Because you so, loved it so Because I loved it so much. Right, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so. well, what, what do you think that the perception of Philadelphia, and perhaps in particular its underground music scene, is in the outer, you know, the rest of the country, the, the different parts of the country that you came from? How do people see the city? I actually have very little idea. Because yeah. when I moved to Philly, it was just like a shot in the dark. Like, I hadn't really heard anything about Philly being cool or, like, the Philly punk scene. It didn't really seem like it was like a hyped city or anything like that. I played in Philly a bunch of times, like in, in high school, through college, and afterwards, and it was always all right, but I never like, you know, I knew of some bands that were big at various times but weren't around anymore, like Witch Hunt or Rambo, but that when I moved here there wasn't anything that I could recognize going on, and like even beyond that, like when I think of like famous punk rock cities, the only band like I, I could think of growing up for Philadelphia was like the Dead Milkmen or something. Right, right. Where were you playing when you were coming up here to play? Um, some house shows, but the first couple times I played up here was a few blocks away at the Rotunda. Okay. Any feelings about Philly from yeah. the south? Well, yeah, growing up, um, we would, if there was like a really good show at the church, we would drive up. Um, I remember seeing like, like Dillinger 4 and like Painted Black and all those bands play up here. So so my experience was kind of like 
if the show was good enough, I would drive up to Philly. Um, but I didn't really have as much of a idea about what was going on. Like instead, like well, instead of like the really big shows, like the more um, the more active bands, I didn't really know what was what was going on with that. Yeah, back when I I guess when I lived in Baltimore, we would drive up to Philly sometimes because um, it was close enough. But it seemed like back then Philly was talked about a little bit more than it is currently. Or maybe I just don't really know what's talked yeah. about currently. But um, I was like more entrenched in like booking shows and um, through like the collective there. But that was like 2003 to 2006 probably. Okay. When I was uh, younger the, and started going to shows, the scene in Philly was, there were different people doing different shows. Uh, there was no R5. Um, the shows were tended to be fairly violent at times. They were in some pretty bad neighborhoods. And years later, I mean, I was involved in some shows, but I'll kind of skip over that. But years later, the scene in Philly for the last several years has been R5 uh, doing shows. Shows are well organized. The, they're staffed with people who aren't thugs and don't beat up the kids. Um, they tend to cater to fairly varied taste in different venues. Um, but the thing that, that I was concerned about for some years and, and was wondering about was that if younger people coming into the scene in Philadelphia who had this admittedly amazing thing presented to them would kind of lose a bit of the ethos for doing events because they didn't have to do it themselves because it was happening and it was happening all the time. Uh, a lot of other cities in this country have never had that and probably never will. So I was curious what, what all of you thought about sort of, I guess, the R5 effect. Uh, Grace, you look like you should probably talk yeah, about this first. Um, um, I actually think about this a lot. Um, I'm friends with lots of the guys involved with R5. I think what they do is like really important and really great. But I think in a lot of ways, it has like an inadvertent chokehold on what's going on, and it makes people kind of a little apathetic about doing things. Like they expect Sean or Andy or Jamie to like do it for them and to like get it done and it's like because it's handed to you it's a little bit easier to not do stuff I think that like as now they're moving to do to do like more stuff at Union Transfer and Boot and Saddle is going to open the Dolphins opening like this number of shows that happened at the church has dropped off so much like I think Andy still does most of his shows at the church Andy Nelson plays in Painted Black and works for R5 and he still books a lot of punk shows but like the number of shows that happen there is so 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 much smaller um, that I think that maybe that actually in a weird way will open up a space for people who don't want to go see bands that would have played at the church play at Union Transfer or whatever I think it might open up a space for them to like do something on a larger scale than just like being in a basement or being in a house, which is still great, but like there's something to be said for doing stuff in a public space or taking over a public space that you wouldn't think would be used for shows like the basement of the church and doing it. And I think because I think that there is a space opening up for that now. I think that um, like I don't want I have nothing but good feelings towards R5, but I would really like to see some other people like step up and do something kind of long-term and sustainable like what Sean and everyone has done over the past couple of years. I also will go on record as saying I have a problem with like the boys club aspect of R5 and the fact that it's a bunch of men that just run it and work it and like laugh at the fact that they that they have like never really hired women to be a part of their organization. Do they laugh at the fact really? I mean kind of, not laugh at it, not in a malicious way, but like oh haha ha, yeah. You know, you ask them, and they they like will admit that they have never really hired women to work. I mean, there are a few, but 
there seems to be a sort of a dudeish yeah. quality to the way that they present themselves. Yeah. To, okay. Which is fine. I mean, but, you know, I'd like to see something different happen. Sure. We actually, um, since we're being interviewed as DIY PHL, we had a funny interaction we recently where um, we, we, like, forgot to post someone's show that they had submitted to us. We haven't really talked about what we do, but we run a calendar, um, and people submit their shows to us, and we forgot to submit their show, and we got in this weird... Uh, passive-aggressive kind of like back-and-forth argument with this guy who didn't know who we are who we are or anything we, we kind of keep ourselves pretty anonymous behind the, the project um, but basically he he was accusing us of uh, only supporting our five shows yeah. he's like I know you guys want to work for our five like this is why yeah. you're doing this and we're like, Sound, we, like like we were in our five's pocket or something yeah it was really weird we're like, like we hardly like, even post R5, any R5 yeah. shows because we <laughs> try and only do stuff that's at DIY spaces yeah, we don't so. we don't exclude them but like well if it's like a DIY band that's being booked through R5 then sure that, yeah. that's up to snuff but, but I guess to some people like working for R5 is some sort of like thing to strive for but it's not not us. I think actually since I've moved here it's become like less of a thing like people always like wanted to play shows at the church and like oh like that was like the goal for every band was to do that and I think that since I've moved I moved here in 2007 and I think since then actually a little bit of that has like stopped kind of being the goal and that there's being more of a like community built around specific houses in West Philly in particular um, much more so than there was right when I moved here or maybe perhaps I'm just more aware of it any other thoughts on that, or we'll just move on to that? Uh, We're no. all pretty involved with, we all live in West Philly, and yeah. we are friends with people who do a lot of booking in West Philly, so I'd say that's definitely more um, like the scene or whatever that we're familiar with and a part of. I don't yeah. really, I can't even really think the last R5 show I went to. Me neither. Yeah. I think the last one that I went to was one that we flyered at, because we go to shows and to, flyer yeah, at them. Yeah, the but project, yeah. I don't know. I, R5 never really seemed like representative of punk to me, and I've only been in Philly for three years, and they book a lot of shows that are punk, but it seems like it's anything that's under like an indie, like an like an indie label is something they'll book, and punk might fall under that, but... They're just larger shows. Yeah, really larger I, I thought of the, I've always thought of them as just a booking company. And sometimes it's was like, okay, cool, so if a band that's that big, like, I don't know, fucked up or something played in town, it would probably get booked by R5 and be at a place that's big enough to have the show go well. Yeah. That never bothered me. The so, roots are definitely in punk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the, all the individuals, uh, you know, came, came through that. Yeah. I think that there was probably a lot more of that in the earlier years. In but the service seems to be uh, for larger bands, like yeah. bands who have, like, already reached a certain, like, level. I guess, yeah. yeah. I guess the good thing, though, is, like, because everyone involved in that comes out of punk, like, they're doing things on the larger level, like, with, like, I guess not the correct, but with like an ethos that I yeah. believe in and associate with, yeah. and I think like it's awesome that bands, punks are yeah. like running, running stuff in Philadelphia rather yeah, than yeah. Live Nation. Just yeah, you don't want to wind up at the truck. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Like a fucking nightmare. Or the electric factory here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. I never, I've never even been to those places. But yeah, Philly overall, aside from R five, which as far as like everyday punk goes, seems like a non-entity to me. I always thought that Philly was really decentralized, and. That was my personal experience of working with DIY PHL. I feel like that even more because all sorts of disparate groups and shows in that have like nothing to do with each other. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, there's a lot going on. 
Well, we've mentioned DIY PHL, but now we should probably establish you know, <laughs> the point where we can establish what it is that the four of you do. So if you can explain you know, what, the, what the project is and what the idea is behind it. Sure. Uh, yeah, well, the, the project is to uh, kind of aggregate all the, the shows that are happening in a month and, and organize them in a way where you can go to one website and, and scroll through and see as many DIY shows as you as were submitted to us. Um, so our goal is to basically highlight shows that otherwise wouldn't be popularized, that are maybe only being promoted through Facebook or word of mouth. Um, so, but a highlight we don't want it, we don't mean highlight like yeah. shows that it, we choose to right. post. It's like yeah. we're just collecting. As shows, long as anything falls like under the mission statement, which is you DIY can, and not offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can sum it up like that. Pretty much anything that's inclusive and DIY. And also to do it in a way that's conscientious. Like we're all punks, so we understand about you know. Like recently we went through and wrote to all of the venues that have submitted to us and asked them, you know, how do you want your address or your location or like your contact information listed? Like, do you just want to say, ask a punk? Do you want to put on the corner of blah, blah, blah? Do you want the actual address? Do you want to leave an email address so people can contact you? So it's a way to like have information out there, but also do it in a way that is conscious of, you know, the limitations and... Yeah, I guess that's the only difference between DIY PHL and like a totally crowdsourced thing where people just post stuff and then it's there. Like, there's only there's like a filter and that's us, and it's not much of a filter, but it makes sure that you know a house a house show isn't gonna hopefully have not have cops show up to it or that you know a band that's a bunch of racist and or sexist and or transphobic or ableist assholes are gonna be promoting their shows in a space that's supposed to be promoting inclusiveness. And in addition to the website, we do a poster every month that has art done by a different Philadelphia artist. Well, most of them have been Philadelphia artists. And um, we put up full-size posters all over town, and then we have handbills that have like the full listing for the month on them that we circulate. And we just started doing an email list where like, every two weeks people get an updated list of shows, like shows that have come in since we produced the poster. Right. Have any of you ever seen the list outside? It comes out of uh, the Bay Area. The Bay Area, yeah. yeah. I was always wondering if that was a, an influence on that because when I used to go over there a lot, that was like the, the, the Bible of shows. You know, this yeah. little thing that I've seen like listings in other cities. I actually did this in Chicago um, when I moved there. Um, basically, like the the idea sprang from here um, because like. We missed a show. Max actually thought of the idea because, like, he missed a show just because he hadn't even heard about it, and like he was like, "Oh, that happened last night. I would have gone to that." Yeah. And like, I had the similar experience in Chicago, um, and back in Chicago, like when I first moved there, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know like how to get involved. I didn't know where the houses were. Like, there's no real way to like find that out until you just like put in some time somewhere. Yeah. And you think that the internet in general would facilitate finding out about things easier, but because of things like Facebook where it's you only see something pop up if it's your within your friend that, network yeah, exactly. on Facebook. So it's there, that's there, totally useless yeah. in terms of using the internet. There was a show listing here in Philadelphia for a long time by a guy whose name I only know by his like message board name. But um, was it a really good one? <laughs> it was like something germ, but like he did this like crazy show listing, and he would like post it on the board every month. But I'm sure other places. But that's like where I saw it, and um, 
it was, I think, perhaps like even more comprehensive than what we do. It had like all sorts of crazy stuff on it. Yeah. But um, I think that like he doesn't do it anymore. And he actually wrote to us recently. Uh, he he sent us a message on Facebook saying like I used to do a listing like this, but you guys are doing it way better. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, what I was gonna say is I so think that, that like nice. by That's the nice the way that like it's we're not just collecting information, but like putting it into like a a, a form that is like really able to be like easily processed mm -hmm. is is a good thing. I think that's like the best part of what we do is just yeah. like getting things out there in different ways. So the information that we collect can actually be useful. Because mm -hmm. the whole project's guided by a, <laughs> a desire for simplicity. Yeah. We try to keep it as not complicated as possible. Yeah, and we try to like keep all the, the show listings in similar formats and stuff. So it's just like really quick and easy to digest. Yeah. Do you have any advertising? Uh, not paid advertising. So what what is the source of uh, revenue that you use to make the posters. We have almost no revenue. Like no. Didn't really have overhead. one until the. <laughs> Part of it is um, ingenuity at office buildings that some of us work in, and. Um, Part of it is scamming uh, larger corporations for photocopies. <laughs> photocopies, yeah. Um, and we got help with from awesome people like in the greater DIY community putting together the website part. Because originally yeah. we hosted it on a Tumblr, which was good really for beta bad. version, but it was you know not very good looking. So are none of you sort of tech savvy enough to run the not We, we use a, a, right. a, a WordPress plugin called yeah. Gigs Calendar, yeah. right? Like we, we operate the website ourselves now, but we yeah. had someone actually build it for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so then, well, part of what we did with, like, this photo book that we worked on, which was um, called uh, PHL, PHL 2012, A Year in DIY, and it's photos from shows in 2012 that happened in Philadelphia, and four pictures from Westchester, which some people take issue with, but that's <laughs> well, I wrote those pages out. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> our, um, our original mission statement you know, says, says the surrounding area. Yeah, yeah, but, but the idea... No Jersey, please. No Jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah no, no way. But um, the Oops, idea with that power. was that... Um, uh, hopefully that some of the proceeds from like that book that once we once we sell the full run which we're almost sold out of um, will go to like covering the incidental costs that we have like printing some of the printing like our and domain name and our domain stuff. name and yeah. stuff like that but um, or go toward a future project mm -hmm. yeah we're almost there yeah well let's talk about the, the book a bit and then I'd like to hear about the future project so mm -hmm. Give me the genesis of the idea of doing the book and how the, how it came about, you know, where it was printed, what the ideas behind it. That was Grace. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I got involved with the Max Max and Ramsey are founding members of DIY PHL, and I got involved around in like no, October and November when they put something up on Facebook asking if there were other people that wanted to like help distribute flyers or print stuff. And um, I live in Fishtown, everyone else lives in West Philly. So I was like, oh, I can put up flyers in my neighborhood, which might be harder for you to get to, or like, you know, just a pain in the ass. Um, and I can also, I help with the printing costs <laughs> of your organization. So um, and then I was on this email chain with a bunch of other people that had volunteered to help and, and Max and Mikey and Ramsey. And they were, we were like bouncing around ideas, and no one else that had volunteered to help responded to anything. There were like seven other people. <laughs> and I was not, just like, oh, am I being that. like the pushy asshole who's like, hey, I can print these things? Or like, let's make a spreadsheet where we like check off where we flyer, and so we make yeah. sure things are covered and we don't like go like double over our tracks. And then I had just gotten Martine from Los Crudos as um, 
photo book Get Shot, which is like photos from the past three or four decades of punk and that he's taken all over the world. And um, it's this really amazing, amazing book that like, uh, there's no dates in it. So you, and it's not in chronological order or geographical order or anything. You just flip through it and it's like a weird dimension to like punk time, I guess. But uh, so I just gotten it in the mail and I was like, oh, maybe we should do a book like of, it's because Ramsey had mentioned that the one year anniversary was coming up. So in, the, in December, we or beginning of January, we sent out a call for photos and um, we got hundreds of submissions from probably like 20 different photographers from like probably 40 different spaces in Philadelphia. And then we just one day like sat down at Mikey and Max's house and printed out all the photos that we thought were yeses or maybes and just laid it out like a zine. Mikey then went on the computer, did like his design work with a real layout. We got it printed at a place called docucopies.com, which was recommended to me by Clint Woodside and some other people from Space 1026. It came in like a week and a half. It was really fast. Wow, like the we did the whole yeah. the whole thing was like we started working on it in earnest like mid mid January, and we had the book by um, early February. Early February, and we sold we like launched it at a benefit show I did for Lady Fest, which was on February sixteenth. And so then it's been like about a month since then, and we're like two thirds of the way through our print run. What was the print run initially? Two hundred. Mm -hmm. um, and we've had orders from like all over the country. And and bands book. write to us saying they like I heard I was in this photo book which is like I don't know who's talking to them but that's cool. yeah it's cool <laughs> and like um, yeah so I think it's been getting out there I think it's a cool it has like it has something like almost a hundred photos in it mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and there are like oh, like twenty venues different venues all like almost all DIY venues like there's one or two bars in it which had like DIY shows at them which we want to include. But um, people seem to respond really positively to it. And I think, maybe I'm speaking for everybody, I think we'd like to do it again next year. Next year. Yeah, yeah. Like one every year. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's pretty cool, I think. It looks great. I'd Thanks. Yeah. Throw in there. Thanks. Now you said that there was a future. Uh, no, we don't have any future projects specifically in mind, but we have uh, brainstormed like potential projects for the future. Because this is really fun, and I. It seemed like it made people a lot more excited about DIY PHL. Um, we, it's been definitely like a growing project. In the very beginning, there was like a little resistance to like the calendar because I think people like didn't know what our intentions were or who we were or like what we were trying to do. Um, like if we were just trying to promote shows from like our specific scene or like from the whole scene or if we were like curating events, like you know, um, and like over time, like month by month, like seems like more and more people have been like, okay, this is like a legit thing that you guys are doing. Yeah, and I mean like in um, terms of like even the artwork in response to that, we yeah. have artists line up for the next year, for the next 12 months, every we have month, artists yeah. lines up every month to do it. Yeah, and in the beginning it was like pulling teeth, like you should do artwork for this project we're doing. Like, and people were like, oh, maybe, and I'd have to like remind them every day, like you gotta get that artwork in. Yeah, that's the other thing about the and book. Now it's is like, it's just like so much easier to get involvement like on the project and yeah. the book too. The book like, includes yeah. like images of all the posters from the past mm. year, um, which is like a nice other way to involve like the community and also just document what we've been doing. Yeah, and so I think doing another project, this one showed us that it would be easy to do that again, and like there is a sense of like excitement about that kind of thing in Philly. So. 
other than being accused of R5s, being R5s yeah. cronies, <laughs> has there been any other neg you know, particularly negative responses to what you've done, or maybe to your policies, since they're fairly egalitarian policies? We had a couple, but I feel like they were pretty uninformed. Yeah, yeah. in the very a beginning. Like, assholes being assholes. Yeah, right? like, yeah. So we hung up a, a poster. We hang them around at coffee shops or, like, record stores. Um, and we had seen that on one of them, someone wrote, like, the Barbary, that's DIY. Psh. <laughs> they like, wrote it on the poster and were like, well, My guess is that the person had never been in a band that goes on tour, because it's great if you're able to find a sweet house show every city or town you play in, but sometimes you end up playing at a shitty bar because it's better to get 20 bucks than to have to get a motel. Yeah, yeah and in, in terms of our um, policies, like, uh, since we've been like getting so much response to the project, we are basically at the breaking point in terms of how many shows we can fit onto the calendar physically, yeah. physically every can't. month. So now there we're were 66 shows submitted to us in March, Jesus and they're all DIY shows, like legitimate DIY yeah. shows. So yeah. Like, so like now we're just saying like we'll list like things that happen at bars that are 21 plus like on our website, but we're not gonna have room for them on the calendar probably anymore. Yeah, we have to like, like think like, of ways to like pare it down a little bit. Yeah. It's just getting Otherwise, so we're excessive. Need a lot bigger paper. And it's also yeah. awesome because people have been reaching out to us that aren't necessarily um, like shows like people the people that do screw smart like the sex education stuff um, downtown like wrote, wrote to us saying that they have these workshops these slide and scale workshops or whatever like can we list them on the calendar yeah we don't exclude we don't exclusively do shows I feel like we should say but that's just like what almost everything yeah, we'll do like is. a lot of like zine readings or events at like the wooden shoe bookstore or mm -hmm. or at uh, the soapbox um, printing oh, yeah. There's like a print resource pre, center. Pre, yeah, up in West Philly, and they do open hours where they, you can use the stuff or learn or, or like show. DIY plays that people put on, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, so you're in for a real nightmare because everyone's going to submit everything to you. <laughs> like, if you don't put it in, it's like, well, I guess you don't think my thing is good enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing. That's the other thing is, like, dogs. it's gotten to the point where, like, we it's, there's, like, a form online which you're supposed to use to submit, and people sometimes just email us shows, and yeah. then those, like, fall through the cracks. Like, people yeah. Now it's to the point where, like, people have to yeah. follow the procedures. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, we just can't, we just like, can't handle it. Be too much We've stuff. definitely been accused of, of being selective when submissions have just not gone through and we yeah. get kind of blamed for it's like why didn't you put this up it's like well it's the kind of thing that's also the kind of thing yeah. like we this is an ode to anybody like this is a thing that we're doing because we think it's important yeah. and you are getting very rich off it yeah right ever since we put that, pay, that paypal button yeah <laughs> every time i jam the copier at work while i'm like doing something illegal i'm just like oh okay oh, like, God, please. Oh, um uh but it's like that's the kind of thing so it, used to, it kind of bothers me when people write to us complaining about stuff, but I'm also just like, if you don't want to use it, don't use it. You yeah. tell them to fuck off. Well, that's I think we have done that a little bit. In so many words. In so many words. Many words, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when people write to you complaining, and you're like, I'm friends with like the three other people in your band. Like, You don't know me, but you're calling me a poser, but I've like seen your band <laughs> play before. Call you like, no, I mean, no, in so many <laughs> words. It's like, stuff like that. It's so funny, because we do keep ourselves like pretty anonymous. I feel like people kind of are like, and our website, it doesn't look slick, but it looks like, it's like pretty well organized and has yeah. like a Twitter feed. And I was like, I could see someone being like, this well, is just some that's, that's, that's why it's cool that we but have, then the same we time, have like, friends who are coders. Someone, and it's actually yeah. readable. Someone wrote to us and said like, I'm running a, music, like a mobile apps thing where we are like linking to all these calendars and we're trying to have, like it's for iPhone apps and like I think this is like a really great partnership that we can develop and all this stuff and this is someone who's like punk ostensibly and like part of our scene and we were like take our logo off of your website like yeah. unlink our calendar like yeah. that is like the fastest way to fuck this up and like 
like screw houses and mm-hmm. people over and like also even though like this isn't owed to anybody like this is the work that we put into it and like we want to have kind of control over like how it goes out into the world like yeah. it didn't do your mobile app developing job for you for free <laughs> like there's something that I've asked uh, everyone that I've interviewed, and these have been people from, uh, I think the youngest person I've talked to was 20, and the oldest is probably in his mid-50s, um, which will probably actually move even a little higher by the end of the series of interviews, um, is what, what drew them to punk? And so I pose this to, to the four of you because you're falling on the younger end of the spectrum. But here's something that's existed since 1976, 77, clearly around for... A, hell of a long time before you came into it. So what do you think, not only what drew you into it, but what do you think continues to sort of perennially draw young people into something that is quite old at this point, has been around for a really long time? I mean, I think it's a result of, uh, in a backwards way, it's like a result of mainstream culture. And like just realizing that, like as a teenager, there is a point where you realize like, oh, there are other ways of thinking about things. And like this is, punk is like a very obvious answer to that because it's always talking about like other ways of thinking about things. And so it's like just this easy place for kids to like fall into mm-hmm. as like an answer to their questions that they're like suddenly having. And I think maybe now more than like 30, 30 years ago, punk is like, is broader in a sense almost like I think that like that weird DIY play that we went to Mother Mother Ocean that our friend Don did that was like the most amazing thing is you like, want to describe a little bit what this was yeah she wrote, she wrote this play uh, it was based on a, a, a YouTube a clip from a news report about like a sea monster like some woman who thought like a sea monster had like bitten her or something. it was something like really crazy like based on this YouTube video and then she just got all these people together wrote a play, showed all these people together to rehearse it, had these elaborate costumes and sets, and did performed it three nights in a row in three different places in Philly. Like, one in Center City, one in South Philly, and one in West Philly. And I think something like that is, like, way more punk than, like, someone's, like, band that plays, like, you know, straightforward, like, super, like, quote-unquote punk music. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, is playing at bars and stuff. I mean, yeah. regardless of, like, what the options, you know, if they had to do that or not. But I think that... In a way, like punk and DIY as terms have kind of like converged more. So, like, I think that it's like the DIY aspect of it that like has really drawn me to it. And like Ramsey said, it's like a place where there are, are alternatives to mainstream culture, and that where you can also like make your own alternatives. And just like it was a place where I realized like, oh, I can do a thing, and people will like come to it or help me do it or like. I don't need anyone to like give me permission to do it, which like sounds really cliche, but yeah. I think that I mean that is like a teenage mentality in yeah. a weird way, and that is like when a lot of people discover punk, and it's like it makes perfect sense that there's like a marriage between those things. Yeah, and I mean like, like that teenage attitude of being like, well, I don't want to have to ask for permission, and then it's like, oh, well, all these people aren't cool. <laughs> and I I didn't necessarily like come to punk through politics, but like punk has definitely like my politics have definitely been shaped and changed, like as an adult, have been shaped and changed by like the community I participate, that I identify as like the punk community I participate in. And I think that that's a really important part of it, of it for me today is like staying in a community of people whose politics I think are like something that I believe in and can get down with. Yeah. Yeah. I think I go to a lot fewer shows than I used to, but I feel a lot more 
invested in punk than I ever have in a weird way. Yeah. Like the show aspect is like a cool part of it, but it's like definitely not the most important part of it. Whereas the, when I was younger, it used to be the opposite probably. Like getting to every show was like a really important part of punk to me. I, I <laughs> when think, I was young. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, maybe I'll go check out that show, but like I'll probably work on this project in my house instead. <laughs> I think I also like when I lived, I lived in London for a year and that was where I realized this kind of like weird international like punk underground kind of thing where there are people that I met and um, they knew like all these people that I know and just like we met and it was like because you know some of the same people it's like immediately like okay like we can be friends and like we know we're coming from the same place and it's like what really helped make living in a different country like palatable and home for me and I you know, I think it's really crazy, like, you tell people, like, that you, I mean, like, any of us would have basically, like, a floor to sleep on in almost any city in America and in, like, a lot of different countries just from, like, this community that we're a part of. And I think that's, like, a really hard thing for a lot of people who aren't punk to understand, but it's, like, a really true and really cool aspect of it. Gentlemen, did you want to comment on that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I think everything's been, been covered. Um, but, yeah, punk has this, um, it's kind of a, the first stop once you have any sort of criticism of your like immediate surroundings it seems like the first place a lot of people go um, so I think that dissatis disfa dissatisfaction um, gets coupled with ingenuity and you start forging your own way and doing things yourself and realizing that either you would have to ask for permission and, and go through channels that way or you just wouldn't have access to certain things so I think being dissatisfied and wanting to still do what you want to do, you end up just doing it yourself. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot with what everyone said so far. Um, what to, to me something that that's like really important to punk and like the my whole broader understanding of it is it's like kind of an idea of like radical inclusiveness. And like when I was first like going to shows as a kid, like the idea that there were a bunch of people I didn't know singing along to a band in a very small room, all being super stoked was just it was it was radical to me that like you could connect with strangers on that level, and that's like something that's been important to me in terms of punk throughout the whole thing. And like there's less of the fist pumping to bands that everyone loves type, you know, type feeling, but it's more of um, it's like a political politicized sensibility that like anybody who wants to be part of this exciting creative community should be able to and that's pretty much been like the guiding thing for punk rock and me that's like that idea is inextricable to punk for me so it's not so much like about like okay this band sounds like the Ramones so they're punk it's like this band is stoked to have everyone there and that's a part of who they are as a band is that sort of inclusiveness and so you know, I might not like them as much as I do the Ramones, but it's something that I'll go and spend my time around. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, I thank you all for uh, cool. sitting down and talking to me about this stuff. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>